Hey, this is Todd Mullen, senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thanks for taking time out of your week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. We want to welcome everybody joining us today, all of our Christ Fellowship locations, everybody joining us online. We're glad you're with us. Happy Sunday and happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Again, we want to tell you how much we love you. All the moms, all the sisters, spiritual moms, the aunties, the grandmas, you know who you are. We love you and we're celebrating you. Yeah, we've been celebrating all week long. We just came off three days of amazing and we had all of the ladies of the house from every single generation that were here. And it was just an amazing time of worship and the Word. And what I was most excited about was that we had our very first ever Little Sisters event. Yes. And we had hundreds of girls that came in. They got to be in the presence of God. They got to hear God's Word spoken over their life because we really believe that that we wanted this to be a time where their lives were marked. Their lives were marked that God had such a specific plan and purpose for them, and they had an army of women cheering them on. So it was amazing. It was yeah, truly it was amazing. amazing. So uh, thank you for everybody who's a part of it, and Julie, great job leading it. Uh, on this Mother's Day, I wanna just, before I get off the platform yeah. and let you preach, I wanna give a shout out to my mom. Mom, I love you. You are the best mom in the world, and taught me how to love Jesus. Tell me what true love was. And babe, I also want to honor you today for uh, the way you love Jefferson and your spiritual mom. There's so many people here. We're grateful for the way you love and I'm proud of you too. And all right, I wish I could just go around the room and thank all of you. But let me pray and uh, we're going to jump into the word of God today and uh, allow his word to speak to us today. Father God, we thank you for this special weekend that we've had already leading up to this moment. And uh, we pray that you would bless your word. Let it speak to our hearts. We are ready to receive what Holy Spirit you want to say to us today. Speak loud and clear, we pray on this Mother's Day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody agreed by saying amen, amen. Well, happy Mother's Day and to all the girls of the house. And it's just such an honor to be able to bring God's word to you today. You know, um, I was thinking back about a couple of years ago. Some of you guys know that I was in a mountain biking accident a few years back. And that accident actually landed me in the hospital with several broken bones, a collapsed lung, and a permanent loss of my sense of adventure, right? And so when I was in the hospital, I was literally, I was like, what was I thinking? Why, why in the world would I have thought that I could ride a bike down a mountain when I had not even ridden a bike down to the end of my driveway in about 10 years, right? I was thinking, how could I have done something like this? And, and I, I turned other people's lives upside down. It was a long stay in the hospital. It was really emotional because I'm usually really, really practical. But when I was in the hospital in that recovery stage, I had, um, we were there for several days and, um, and there was a, a nurse that was taking care of me during that time. And her name was Lauren and she was so sweet and so kind. And, and as I was laying there thinking, I, I just can't even imagine God, how you're gonna bring any good out of this. One day as we were getting ready to, to leave the hospital, Lauren came into the room and she said, you know, um, I'm really gonna miss you guys around here because there's just something different about, about you. You know, I, I, I watched how your husband is just taking such good care of you and, and how your, your mother and your father-in-law, they, they flew all the way around the world home from a mission trip just to be by your side. And how these friends, you know, these friends from home just upended their life just to come encourage you. And, and as she was sharing that, I just thought, 
this is it. I mean, this is why this all happened, that, that I was here for Lauren. And, and so I just got this inner boldness and, and I, I started to, to tell her, I, I was like, this, this has to be the reason, God, this all happened. And so I started to tell Lauren, I said, you know what? Um, Todd and I aren't perfect, but, but we just have tried to build our marriage on the word of God. And, and this faith that we have was really passed down to us from our parents and, and these friends that, that upended their life. They're just part of our small group at home, you know, just about a biblical community. And just as I was getting ready to just land the deal, right? Seal the deal. I just thought this is gonna be the moment where Lauren is gonna get on her knees and she's going to give her life to Jesus. I mentioned I was heavily medicated at the time. Okay, so I'm thinking she's gonna give her life to Jesus. And at that moment, Lauren looks at me and she says, yeah, I'm glad that church thing is working for you. It's just not for me. And I was like, are you kidding me? I almost died for you. Okay, you, you are the reason I am here. But you know, when she said, she said this, this whole church thing, I'm glad it's working for you, not just for me. And you know, so many people on the outside looking in at the church, that's, that's what it is. It's, it's just that church thing. It, it's a, it's a, a flippant choice like what Starbucks drink you're going to get or, or maybe an experience, should I, should I do this? Maybe it's gonna make my life a little bit better. But for the early church, those living in the time following the crucifixion of Christ, the, those looking on the outside, looking in, there was nothing common or ordinary about the church that they saw. This, this was not optional, but it was actually central to what was happening in Jerusalem during that time. And, and when we look back, just a little bit of background, that when we look back at this time, the time right before Jesus, um, right, when, when Jesus came to the earth, before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit, God's presence was actually limited to one place. It was limited to the temple, a, a specific room in the temple called the Holy of Holies. And it was limited to one particular people, the people of Israel in one particular place. But then when Jesus actually came and he died on the cross, it says that the curtain to the Holy of Holies was actually torn and the spirit of God left the building. Right? He left the building and then 50 days later, he shows up and he comes into a room where there's 120 people that are waiting for him and he fills those people. And those people begin to go out into the streets and they started declaring the message of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, the church of Jesus Christ was born and the Holy Spirit, instead of being limited to one location, was unleashed into a people. And those people now became the temple. The temp our, we became the temple of the Holy Spirit, the vehicle in which the, that God was going to carry his mission and his message to the world. And so this was, this was a moment in history when the New Testament church was born. A lot of times when people hear about, about what, what, pre what Peter preached, that out of the prophet of Joel, when he says that, that in these days, that God's, in the last days, God's gonna pour out his spirit, they think that it's the last days before Christ's return. But what he was saying was, in these days, when the Holy Spirit showed up, it began a new day, the day of the church where his spirit was gonna be unleashed into all people and the message was gonna go forth. So we are living in these days, the days of the church. And so in the days that followed those events, it says in Acts chapter two, it says, 
what was happening, what the, what the people on the outside looking in were seeing. It says that all the believers, they, were, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And this deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. There were people being healed, people being raised up from the dead because they were carrying the Spirit of God wherever they went. And all the believers, they met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy. These were the happiest people around. And generosity. These were happy people. These were generous people. And everyone on the outside looking in, they were in awe because they were caring for each other. Um, the, the people in this community, there was no one in their community that was going hungry or, or out on the streets. This was, this was a different kind of people. See, for the early Christ followers, the church was not just a place they showed up to on Sunday. It was, it was a mission that, that they gave their lives to and a people that they were committed to every single day. Church was not an event. It was actually this radical revolution. It was this new way of life. And because it was this new way of life, of generosity, of joy, of meeting the needs of all those around them, of sacrifice, that it was so contagious and so attractive that, that it says in God's word that, that there were people getting saved every single day. See, the early church was this movement, right? This movement that, that was made up of people, a movement that was made up of people that were marked by this, by this commitment to God's word, a commitment to prayer, a commitment to each other, and most of all, committed to this mission, committed to this mission that they were going to give their lives to carry this message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus, the resurrected Jesus came so that everyone, if the message was not limited, but unleashed so that everyone who would, who would follow him, that they could, have, they could experience eternal life someday and abundant life every single day. This was the mission that they gave their lives to. And, and this movement was actually made up of people just like you and me. People that were marked for this mission. Do you know you were marked for a mission? And, and this, is, this is what the, the church was made up of. They, they were just ordinary people with this extraordinary calling. And in Acts chapter four, we're actually introduced to, to one of those people, one of those ordinary people. And I, I love this because this was just an ordinary guy. He wasn't a pastor. He was actually a businessman and a dream team volunteer. Shout out to all of our dream team volunteers who make this happen every week. He was not a pastor, a preacher. He was just this ordinary guy. And in Acts chapter four, it tells us that, that all of the people, that, that all of the people were giving everything that they had um, to advance the gospel. But then it, it calls out one. And, and it says this, it says in, in verse 36 of Acts chapter four, it says, for instance, there was this guy named Joseph, the one that the apostles had named Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Wow, wouldn't you like that nickname? A son or a daughter of encouragement? See, his mother named him Joseph, but everyone that knew him, they called him Barnabas, a son of encouragement. 
And, and I love that because, because he, this is what he was known for. It wasn't just something he did, it was who he was. It was in his DNA to encourage other people. And you know what? The people in the early church needed a lot of encouragement to stand up to the persecution and the ridicule. There was an entire, there were, there were, there was an entire government system that was trying to take them down. And so Barnabas was the son of encouragement that was breathing life and breathing courage into the leaders of the early church. And, and for him, encouragement wasn't just a, a pat on the back, right? It wasn't just an attaboy. But when I looked up this word of encouragement, it says that that, that word encouragement comes from the word paraclesis. And it means that, that he was an advocate. He, he came alongside to strengthen other people. It, it was his encouragement and sacrifice that actually fueled the advancement of the gospel. He encouraged others to give. He encouraged others in their faith. And I, I just thought it was just amazing to see that this, this, this reputation, this reputation that he had of this son of encouragement, it actually gave him credibility and it gave him influence and it, it gave him this front row seat of the supernatural work that God was unleashing into the world. And, and when I, I started thinking about this was I thought, you know, on Mother's Day, how great would it be if all of us could become sons and daughters of encouragement? And all the moms said, amen, right? That we would all become these sons and daughters of encouragement, that, that we would actually be a people that would come alongside other people to give them the strength to live out their call. That, that we, would, we would add strength, that our words, the words that we would speak, would actually give people the strength to stand up, to stand up in, in a generation, a culture that's trying to drag them down. This, this is our calling as God's people, that we are called to be sons and daughters of encouragement. So you guys are getting a new nickname. No matter what your brothers and sisters called you when you were growing up, you are sons and daughters of encouragement. And this reputation, when we have this kind of reputation, it actually gives us influence. It's what actually attracted other people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's a few things that we see in Barnabas that, 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 that gave him this kind of reputation. And actually, we, we see that he was pivotal. He, was, he actually was one of the, the, the reasons that the movement of the gospel of Christ could advance. And even though we don't read much about him, we see a few things in his life that gave him this reputation. The first thing he did that gave him this reputation is that he opened a door for someone that they could not open for themselves. Let me say that again. Barnabas opened a door for someone that, that they could not open for themselves. And last week, we talked about the Apostle Paul, right? And, and Paul was the, was the writer of, of almost every New Testament book. He went on missionary journeys. He, he advanced the gospel like nobody else, right? But you may not know it, but there was a moment before the movement when Paul was almost shut down before he even got started. And it happens when right after Paul's dramatic conversion, remember Paul was formerly known as Saul and he was a Christian killer, right? And he shows up in Jerusalem one day and he wants to go, he wants to go meet the apostles and become a part of team apostle. And he doesn't understand when he shows up why they might have been just a little bit resistant. Like last week you were killing our friends, right? And so he shows up and, and, the, and the disciples will not even let him in the door. But it says that in Acts 9.26, that when he arrived in Jerusalem and he tried to meet with the believers, they were all, all afraid of him. 
There was no way he was getting into this room. But then they didn't believe that he had really become a true believer. But then something happened. It says that Barnabas actually stepped up and, and he brought Paul to the apostles. He opened the door for Paul. His credibility and his influence is what got Saul in the door. And so when Paul, formerly known as Saul, shows up, um, and, and Barnabas begins to, to talk about him. He, he tells them how, how he had had this dramatic conversion on the road to Damascus and how he had preached fearlessly the word of God. And, and then it says in verse 28 that, that Saul stays with the apostles and then he goes all around Jerusalem with them preaching boldly the name of the Lord. See, Barnabas opened this door that, that Paul could not open for himself. And this door actually, actually was the door that, that was open so that Paul could actually step into his calling. Barnabas made a way for him. I mean, when you think about all the New Testament books that would have never been written, all of the, the churches in Rome and Ephesus and Philippi that would have never been planted, all of the people that, that would have never found the message of Jesus if Barnabas had not opened the door. And see, Paul couldn't open this door for himself. And this is what I want you to hear, is that I believe there are people waiting for us to open a door so that they can step into their calling. And I know for me that as, as a young middle school student, it was my older sister who opened the door, invited me to a church youth group. And it was there that I met Jesus and met people that were made living life for Jesus so attractive that it took away my taste for everything else. And everything, every, the, the entire trajectory of my life, I can point back to that open door. This, the door that somebody else opened for me. And I believe there are people waiting for us to open up the door. I, 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 think, about, I think about the, in Port St. Lucie, um, I think about Nancy. And Nancy, she has a, a small group of students. And they, she started with them in the sixth grade. And this year she told me they're high school girls, they're graduating from high school this year. And every single week she opened the door when they were being bullied in middle school, when they were being, trying to be taken out by our culture, she was there every single week speaking God's word, speaking identity over them. And now they're stepping in to their college years with strength and a sense of purpose because Nancy opened the door. And I, I think about all the, the doors, somebody opened a door for you. There was somebody that opened the door for you to, to find salvation, to find freedom from maybe a, a pain from your past, to find maybe what you didn't even know that you were looking for. It was an invitation or it was a, a word of encouragement. Somebody opened the door. And there are people at our schools, at the ball fields, in our churches that are just waiting for you to open the door for them so that they can find freedom, they can find salvation, they can, they can step into their calling. See, you and I were, were called to be door openers, right? And we're called to open the door. But what I, I love about the Apostle Paul um, and, and is that, that he stepped into the calling, he became, he became somebody different. And when I look at Barnabas, when he opened the door, he not only opened the door, but when he opened it, that God actually gave him spiritual vision. God opened his eyes to see things that he could have never seen on his own. He opened his eyes to see something in Paul that other people had missed. 
right? When, when other people saw Paul's, the mistakes of Paul's past, Barnabas actually saw the future that God had for Paul. See, Barnabas saw his future. He saw his potential, his kingdom potential. And this is, this is what, what, what spiritual vision does. It, it causes us to prophesy over somebody else's potential. And if you're a mom in the house, you get this, right? Because we're constantly prophesying over the potential of our kids. We see things in our kids that before the world ever sees it. And, and you know, when I, when I look back and, and I think about my own, um, my own mom, and I remember when I was going through this really awkward stage in the eighth grade. Yeah, I think I have a picture of it. I mean, this is really bad. Yeah. My mom, when the world saw this, my mom said, Julie, you are gonna be a really good leader someday, right? And she actually said, Julie, you're, you're beautiful. But she said, it's more important to be beautiful on the inside than on the outside. And, and all of the things that a mom says to an awkward eighth grade girl. But this is what she did. She prophesied over my potential. And you know, this is what we do as, as sons and daughters of encouragement. That when, when the world sees the mess of addiction, of, of, of hangups and habits, we see the opportunity for a miracle. We see our God is a chain breaker, a miracle worker, and we see that potential. That's who we are. When, when the world is talking about a generation that's lost its way, as God's people, we are gonna continue to help point the next generation to the way, find more opportunities to help them find their way because we're gonna prophesy over their potential. We're gonna see some things. We've got spiritual vision. His vision is our vision. And we have spiritual vision to see the purpose and the potential that God has over their lives. And, and God, God opened Barnabas' eyes and, and when he opened his eyes, he, and, and Barnabas opened doors, it, it wasn't, vision wasn't enough, right? It was, vision alone wasn't gonna earn the early church that reputation we've been talking about, that, that they would be those who would turn the world upside down. This vision actually required action. And you've heard us say it before, that a dream without a plan is actually a fantasy. And when, when God cast vision, for his church to carry the life-giving message of the gospel to the world, it was not a fantasy. It, it was a, a God-ordained vision and it required action. And this is what Barnabas did. He, he opened his hand. He not only opened his eyes, but he opened his hands. He gave what he had. It says in Acts chapter four, it says that he, Barnabas, from the, he was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from Cyprus, and he sold a field he owned and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And to fully grasp what this verse means, you have to know that in this time in history, there were very few landowners. And the very few landowners actually employed all of the, the workers of the land. So if you were a landowner, you actually had voting rights. You had prominence and position in your community. And, and if you sold your land, it wasn't like another piece of land was gonna pop up for you to buy a couple years later. No, when you sold your land, you actually were giving up your position, giving up your influence. You were, you were, basically, you were basically giving up, sacrificing everything maybe that you had worked your entire life for. So when Barnabas sells this land to give it to the apostles, he was, he was giving up his status, a place in society. And this was a huge sacrifice, but he wasn't the only one. In, in Acts 4.32, it says that all the believers were of one heart and mind. They all sacrificed because unity, it was their superpower. 
They, they sold what they had to, to further the vision, to advance the gospel, because they knew there were people waiting for them in Ephesus and in Antioch and Macedonia. They knew there were people that needed to be saved. They knew there were people that needed to be healed. They knew that there were John Marks and Timothys that needed to be released into their calling. They knew all of this. And so when Barnabas made this decision to sacrifice all of that, what he was saying was, is that sometimes, sometimes we have to turn our worlds upside down in order for someone else's world to be turned right side up. Sometimes we have to turn our world upside down for someone else's world to be turned right side up. And what I love about the early church and I love about the church is that when God put together this plan, we're, there's no perfect church, but we are God's perfect plan to bring hope and redemption to the world. What I love about it is that God didn't need us. He, didn't, he is all powerful, all knowing. He did not need us, but he chose us. He chose us to partner with him to see the supernatural work, to see the supernatural work in people's lives, to see some things we could never see on our own. And, and what the church knew then and we know now is that you can't even separate the, the individual calling that God places on our lives from the collective calling that he places on us for a people. We are his body, each member, each member doing what we're called to do. And so this, this is what, what, we, we, what he called us to. And, and, and he knew that there was so much more that we could do together, so much more that we could see together than we could ever see on our own. Together, we can be the solution to problems that we didn't even create. That, that we, we can be the solution to, to the problems that, that we didn't even create. See, when we, we pray, God, break our heart for what breaks your heart, we become the solution to the foster care crisis. That, that together, we can empty the foster care system and children can find a safe, secure place to hear the word of God spoken over their lives. Together, we can make a way for this next generation, this next generation kids and students to have their lives built on the foundation of God's word. So when culture comes after them and tells them who they think they are, no, they're gonna stand up and say, I know who I am. The truest thing about me is what God's word says about me. This is what we can do together. But it requires all of us, it is a collective call. And so what happened in the, in the early days of the church is what happened in the early days of our church. There have been people all along the way who have sacrificed and given their lives. Ordinary people with an extraordinary mission. And we have seen, we have seen doors opened. We have seen potential realized when people opened their hand and gave all they could give to see this message of Jesus to move forward. And I just want you to hear one story of a family that, that has been on the other side of your sacrifice. Let's watch this together. So our story starts, we were married in 2006 and we now have four kids. In 2021, we left the military after 21 years of service and decided to start traveling the country. We actually found an Airstream and then completely gutted it as a family, and the six of us rebuilt it. After we left the military, living in the camper and traveling was, was really exciting, it was really fun, it was adventurous. It was about this time last year, April of 22, and we had a crisis that kind of stopped our travel. Tiffany took the kids 
and she found a place to stay here in Port St. Lucie with some friends of ours. During the few months that we were separated, I was working on recovery, I was getting treatment, and Tiffany was working on healing. I stayed in our camper here in town as we worked on getting our family back together. That was about the time that we came to Christ Fellowship as a family for the first time. It was apparent that Pastor Mike knew there was something going on with our marriage, and he knew that we needed prayer. And he offered a prayer that was, all I can say was it was Holy Spirit-led. And so that day, I think my wife and I both looked at one another and said, this is gonna be our church. Over the last few years, we have been focused on recovery, we've been focused on healing, and Christ Fellowship has really helped us because this church really puts marriage at the front. It's not just talked about, it's actually you can witness it, you can see it. My children immediately wanted to start coming to youth group. Sunday mornings they were getting up earlier and pulling me out the door earlier, which when you have teenagers, that's a blessing in and of itself. And it was then that we realized that Port St. Lucie and Christ Fellowship was great for us and our marriage and our healing, but it was really more about our kids' healing. It was really more about what they needed in a church family. It was really more about their healing. When I heard the get there first, I knew that we didn't have an option. This was the answer to our prayers on linking arms with someone who could help us to, to raise our children. Christ Fellowship absolutely has a vision for that. We did not intend to stay here. During our travels as a family, we both remarked to one another that Florida was probably the last place we wanted to live, but that has all changed. We have four kids and our oldest is 15. He came back from movement camp and he told his mother he doesn't want to lose that campfire smell. He wants to be here where the fire is and that's what he thinks Port St. Lucie Christ Fellowship is all about for him. Our 11 year old looked at me and, and he honestly almost welled up in tears. And he said, Mom, we've been to churches all across this country, and I've never felt like I was more of a family than at Christ Fellowship. We, we, we love Christ Fellowship. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people say that, but this is our home. We feel like a family here. We're now serving together um, with the Dream Team. Um, we're leading a freedom class. This absolutely would not happen if people hadn't given above and beyond the call of duty to make this place a reality years and years ago. Um, if this place wasn't here, I don't know where we would be, but we certainly wouldn't be experiencing the healing in our marriage and our family that we've experienced. They didn't know we were gonna be here. They didn't know we were gonna come here in a crisis mode. They didn't know that we were gonna have four kids that need to be poured into, but now we have that. We don't know anything other than what's here now. So to us, it feels like this building's always been here, but we know that through your generous sacrifices, and we have no idea the magnitude of what you have given up, so this building can be here now. I truly don't know that words exist for how thankful I am for Christ Fellowship. We came here for our recovery, but they opened our eyes to the recovery that our children needed and deserved, and they have the vision that we were unable to see at the time. And so, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you for giving us a home. Wow. How beautiful is that? You know, when I, when I hear this story and so many stories like it, I am just, I, I think about Justin and Rhonda 
Drati up at Port St. Lucie who like from the day one, they have been giving and sacrifices. People like Dave and Lisa and Mark who, who, who have never even been to the Port St. Lucie campus, but they gave and sacrificed. People that were willing to just turn their lives upside down so that people like the Menlos and their family could be turned right side up. You know, when you think about it, Heart for the House is really about having a heart for people. Because the church in its Mm -hmm. purest form is all about Jesus and all about people. Mm -hmm. So having a heart for the house is having a heart for Jesus and for people because we know that God loves people more than anything. Right. So much that he gave up his only son, Jesus to come and die to bring humanity back home. And now the church, that's our job. We get to help bring humanity back home to God. And when I read through my Bible from the very beginning of the first pages of Acts until 2023, the only way the church has been able to get people home and advance the cause and the mission has been when people like you and me sacrifice and give and let our worlds get turned upside down so that yeah. others' worlds can get turned right side up and they can find the hope that only Jesus yeah, can bring. Yeah, you know, Romans says that how are they gonna know unless we're the ones that tell them? How are right. they gonna believe a message that they've never heard about? And you know, we are so passionate. We, we wanna make it really hard for people in South Florida to go to hell. That's right. We, we wanna make it really, really hard yep. for the next generation to miss their calling yep. and their purpose. And, and this is what we're called to together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you came in today, you got one of these cards at all of the locations. And um, those of you online, you can get one just by texting the word info to 441441 and get a digital one. But we're asking you to do a couple things as we prepare for our Heart for the House offering next week. All right? Uh, we're asking you, I'm not asking you to give. Yeah. I'm asking you to pray. Yeah. I'm just asking you to pray and ask God, God, what do you want me to give? Like if you ask God, God, what is it that I have that I can give up so that somebody else can find Jesus? And if you're married, I wanna ask you to spend time praying together and ask God that question. And if your kids are old enough to understand this concept, include them in it and say, hey, what can, yeah. what can we what can we do without so that others can, can find the hope in Jesus that we've found? And so we're asking you to pray. Yeah, you know, I remember, Todd, when, when we were just getting married and getting, when, when we were building the early days of the church, we didn't have anything to sell. We didn't have anything to give, but- We had nothing. We, we were living nothing. on love, baby. That's right, we all we had. We were living on love, right? Tomato soup. we decided soup. That, that for a year, we weren't gonna go out to dinner, which was actually your sacrifice, because I had no idea how to cook, She did right? not know how to cook. So there were a lot of grilled cheese and Rice Krispie treats, yeah. but you know, we don't regret one yeah. moment yeah. of that. And and, you know, even for some of you guys, college students, I mean, just look at your, look at your, um, your, your credit card bill. I mean, just count how many Starbucks drinks that just Hello. from last month, yeah. right? Just giving up Starbucks a couple days a week. We can yeah. all do something, right? Yeah. We can all give and see lives change. Yeah. So we're going to pray. And the second thing we're asking you to do is to make a plan. Yeah. Make a plan. It says in Isaiah, yeah. do you have that scripture in Isaiah? Yeah. It says in Isaiah, which I should have that scripture right here. It should be somewhere. <laughs> it's okay. Do you have it on the screens? There it is. We're on the screen. Sorry about that. But generous people plan to do what is generous mm-hmm. and they stand firm right. in their generosity. And so to be generous, mm-hmm. to do more than just throw a $20 bill in the offering bucket next week for Heart for the House, you got to get a plan. Yeah. Like, How am I going to plan to be mm-hmm. generous? And so for us, it was maybe picking a year to go without eating out or one year I remember we didn't do a vacation and we were like, okay, we're not going to do it. And I'm not telling you, you don't do a vacation. I'm just telling you that's what we did. I'm telling you, you got to pray and ask God what you're supposed to do. And um, and maybe for some, it's going to be like Barnabas. He's going to speak to you about giving up something. I remember one guy a couple years back who was up at Port St. Lucie and heard about what everybody sacrificed and sold to start Port St. Lucie. 
um, God spoke to him and said, uh, he had just got his dream car like six months earlier. And God said, I want you to get, sell the dream car that, that you wanted all this time to have. And you got to drive it for six months. And now you're gonna use it to reach other people for Jesus Christ. Not, Todd didn't tell him to do that. Right. God told him to do that, right? And, uh, and now he's a part. That was when we were launching Vero and Boca. And now he's a part of every life that's been changed in Vero and Boca, right? So here's the deal. By the way, if you're visiting today, oh, right. don't be like constipated right now. We're not, we're, not, you, we're not expecting you to give anything, right? In fact, you're the reason we're all gonna give because we wanna help people like you find the hope and the love that we found in Jesus. But if Christ Fellowship is your home and this is the place where you've been fed and nurtured and cared for and spoken into and encouraged in your faith, then I'm asking you, if that's you, I'm asking you to, to, to pray and to plan so that we can be a part of seeing people's lives radically turned right side up yep. for Jesus Christ in the days to come, amen? amen. And so the next weekend, we're gonna all, Julie and I are praying and fasting this week about what we're gonna give. And as we all obey God, here's what's beautiful. Mom and dad taught us this from the beginning. We never pressure anybody to do anything except obey God. And when you obey God and we obey God, right. then as a church, we're gonna be able to do everything God is calling us to do, amen? amen? We love you and we're so excited about what we get to do together. So would you stand to your feet? I wanna pray over us this week. And if you have that little card, just hold it in your hand as a, a, a symbolic act of God. We wanna hear you speak to us this week about what you're calling us to do as individuals so that we can be Barnabases, mm -hmm. or maybe it's Barnabai. We're gonna be Barnabais. Uh, we're gonna be people who open um, the door for others spiritually in locations and places and through sacrifice. We're gonna open our eyes and open, see things and people call out the God potential. And we're gonna open our hand and say, God, whatever we have that you need to do your work through Christ Fellowship and through the local ministry here, we're a part of that in Jesus' name. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have today to partner with you to see lives radically changed. And I thank you, Lord, for the generous men and women in our church that, Father, for generations have been doing this. And for many, maybe this is their first time they're gonna step in and actually sacrifice something so that others can experience someone whose name is Jesus. So we pray that this week would be a week of you speaking and of you moving in people's lives and do what you wanna do through your church. Get all the glory and all the credits. In yeah. Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word MORE to 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.